I don't know how difficult it is logistically to get teams to do that. I think it helps to do it in a spiffy place like War Memorial Stadium um, and give it sort of that bigger event feel similar to, you know, what they were doing on the on the hoop side, trying to put something together for postseason invitationals or whatever. One or two teams might be might be down, but maybe they don't want to host a thing or maybe they don't want to travel too far for a thing. But I thought the I thought the event as far as like here's the the crowning weekend of SAA spring football, I think that went off super well. Organizing is a lot easier when the conference is involved, right? That's why a basketball postseason invitational was never able to be put together. Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. You've tuned into the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Two guys and occasional guests talking about the news in NCAA Division III football. I'm Pat Coleman, the guy in charge of D3Football.com. Keith McMillan, on assignment. I think like coaching girls softball, very important to get your family time in in the spring, especially with everything that's going on. So we are welcoming back in Greg Thomas. Greg, of course, the recently debuted, I guess is a is a verb, uh, new columnist for the Around the Nation column on D3Football.com and a, re- a regular voice now on the podcast. And we appreciate you joining us once again, Greg. Thank you. Yes, it's good to be here once again, filling in for Keith. No, no family softball games for me, so I'm wide open and able to sit in and fill in for Keith as necessary. Are you guys allowed to play softball in Southern California yet? Not yet. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, that's good because, uh, A, that means I can always call on you uh, in an emergency. You have been in the past the in emergency please break glass co-host of this podcast, and this was less of a last minute thing and more of a last 24 hours thing or so. Uh, and also being two hours behind me also makes it uh, possible. You could be one of those people. And I think you have been in the past who I've called at uh, 11 o'clock central time on a Sunday night when I think Keith fell asleep on us once. I, I think I think that's publicly known. I apologize if I'm breaking that news right here, right now. It is nice. I, I do enjoy the West Coast time zone out here for uh, sporting events. I found that it's really nice. I can watch things like. Monday night football or other sporting events that happen in East coast prime time and are done by like nine o'clock here. And I can go to bed at a reasonable adult time and be responsible in the morning. Well, we're practically going to have Monday afternoon football at some point in this uh, division three football spring season as well. We've talked a lot about spring football and you know, this of course what's going on right now is actual spring football games and all of that as well. But, you know, more than once in the past decade, Division Three has discussed at the NCAA convention expanding what the NCAA would term the non-traditional season. That's basically playing, uh, practicing your fall sports in the spring or your spring sports in the fall. And the rest of us would, of course, you know, more formally or even less informally call it spring ball, right? Padded practices in the spring been a bone of contention among football coaches and the proposal to give football what all the other fall sports already enjoy is subject to ratification by non-football schools, which has been a problem. It's been another bone of contention. But I have to say, you know, from what we've seen the, la- the past six weeks, 2021 may be a big moment for spring football. I'm going to let Hendricks coach Buck Buchanan tell the story. 
Here's what I'm going to say on record with D3 football is they didn't say we could have spring ball, but by God, we're having spring ball and we're going to turn around and play in the fall. So maybe we could have some spring ball in the future. <laughs> well, I mean, in all fairness, and now I think I'm we're, this has turned into a discussion rather than a Q&A, but you know, the, the big issue has always been what the athletic trainers say and what how many athletic training staff you can devote to something like this. I mean, this whole spring has been a stress test on everybody and every athletic department that's trying to compete right now no in question. their fall sports. But I think you've kind of proven that you can put kids on the field. Yeah, and in a regular spring ball, we're not competing on a Saturday. <laughs> right, exactly. In a regular spring ball, you're, you're putting pads on and you're having a spring game. And that is, you know, what is it, maybe five more practices yeah. with pads or something. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's just a few practices. And, and of course, we had a, I mean, we almost had a full full season wise of, of practice and everything and again I was I was proud of I was really proud of our kids because we didn't even have our kids in the fall everybody else in the league with exception of us and Rose you know had practice in the fall we didn't have practice so it's a tribute to our seniors and juniors because we're 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 an upper class heavy team and and they did a great job being prepared to come back so but yeah I think we've proven that we can we can do some of these things in the spring and and survive and not have a lot of injuries and not have the ability to to stress ourselves out because right now I mean there was there was one weekend at, at Hendricks, we, everybody was playing, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we couldn't go to Trinity two weeks ago when we had to reschedule when, when the snow and everything because we had no buses to get to, to there because everybody else was traveling on buses. So, you know, we've been able to manage that. And, again, that's not me. That's Coach Weaver and our and our athletic and our administration and yep. president and, and our COVID people. They've done a great job. So, But we, we've proven we can do it a little bit. So hopefully we will – we will progress that way and maybe in Division Three future. <laughs> For those of you who are following like the, the D3 hoops situation closely or were, I guess, because the basketball season is uh, is wrapping up at this point. You know, the NCAA gives each team 19 weeks. That's a 19 week season times six days. You have to take a day off each week equals 114 days. And so like the basketball season, you could spread those 114 days at any point over the year. And it's the same for football. And there's talk about this kind of being the thing going forward where instead of having, you know, 19 consecutive weeks uh, from, you know, day one through the end of the stag bowl, you could again, mix and match those things, use some of them in the spring, use some of them as padded practices and create yourself a real spring ball. We opened up the phone lines. I have one more person to drop in here before we let Greg talk again. Jim Catanzaro from Lake Forest College. Coach Cat. Jim Catanzaro. Jim, glad to have you with us. My pleasure. Yeah, Pat, I do think there's a great opportunity for us to keep having contact football in the spring and padded practices. All of the concerns that were previously reiterated, predominantly by uh, the NCAA at the National Convention, were, you know, athletic trainer access, facility usage and overlap with other sports, all these different things. And I think one of the things that's really cool is that when there was motivation that we had to do it, everybody found a way. The resourcefulness that different athletic campuses were able to put out there eliminated the stumbling blocks to having this happen. In a year where things were really crazy, resources were more limited than ever, we found a way to get this done. I also think you saw a lot of coaches use this time to really gauge how they would handle that. Instead of making it a, you know, a violent spring ball time or anything like that, they really use it as a developmental phase 
and kept the health and wellness of the players at the forefront of their decision-making. You weren't seeing Oklahoma drills and things like that get done. Nobody was posting those things on social media. It was really 100% about getting guys back onto the field, having a chance to play the game they love, and getting better at it. I really do believe that the coaches proved that it could be done with the support of the administration, the support of athletic trainers. And I hope that as we move forward, they can use this as the, the catalyst for why we can continue to have spring football, bringing, introducing pads uh, to it. I don't think it has to be a you know 40-day spring season or anything like that. I just think giving the same opportunity that the other levels of football, whether it's Division One or Division Two, also the junior college, and even high school football in many states now, giving the Division Three football players a chance to perfect their craft, work at mastery, and continue to protect themselves when the fall season comes along. The the skills that are inherent to the game of football get rusty, and I think many of us saw that with the layoff that our kids had in the fall or the spring, and having them come back and get that opportunity to kind of resharpen the sword before they went into battle, I think, was a really important thing for them. And something I hope we continue to move forward with. All right, Greg, lots of stuff here to unpack, right? Uh, there's, you know, these are things that go well above the head of a football coach or an athletic director. Anytime that changing NCA legislation gets involved, uh, we have all seen, I think, over the course of the past year, in fact, what Division Three presidents, um, you know, value, right? It'll be very interesting to see how that uh, how that goes down. I think Coach Catanzaro had a really good point in there where uh, he sort of has talked about that the NCAA has sort of found all of the reasons why you why you couldn't or shouldn't do fully padded practices in the spring, access to trainers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this spring, we've been forced into uh, a trial run of this proof of concept, really, that the coaches have been talking about for so long. We can do this. We are responsible. We don't like it's not the Junction Boys anymore. We're, we know how to practice and do it relatively safely. And now this spring, we've got a chance to put that into practice, literally and figuratively. And, you know, like it seems to be working pretty well football wise, you know, so and we're doing it in the middle of a, of a pandemic. So if we can do it now, why could we not do it hopefully in the future when we don't have to worry about all of the other stuff? Right. Not only are we doing it now, but we're doing it with games now. We're doing it with, you know, four to five games in most cases, uh, a bunch of practices that go along with that. We are really only talking about taking the 16 practices that already exist. I don't know. Maybe maybe people will talk about adding more. That's certainly possible. Uh, but we're talking about putting pads on people. And, you know, um, so many people uh, these days, in fact, are talking about eliminating contact practices or limiting them highly, right? You know, the sort of things that uh, John Gillardi did, looks at calendar 65 years ago or so, you know, that the uh, that the Ivy League latched onto about five years ago or so. And, you know, other other coaches and other conferences are, are at least doing the thing where they limit these things and and uh, and take them down. To be able to have pads and helmets and a limited number of spring practices and then potentially a spring game, because I'm going to keep harping that point as well, because I think that's beneficial. I, I think I just it seems at this point like a no brainer. It seemed like a no brainer before, but I think we've just proven, like you said, it's totally possible. 
Let's get one more take on this subject, and here's Rod Sandberg. He's the head football coach at Whitworth University out in Spokane, Washington. Pat, thanks for having me on and discussing this topic. At Whitworth University, we just concluded our four-game spring winter season. The number one takeaway is clearly how much fun our student-athletes had. Uh, They had a blast playing the game they love and work so hard at. To see them competing in actual tackle football was awesome. I've been in D- Division Three football for my entire 25-plus year career, and it's the first time we've had padded up in this time of year. In regards to the future of our non-traditional season, I think what this past winter season showed us, that if in this 2021 spring we were able to play with pads and have games – while all the other sports are going on at the same time because of being compressed by COVID, then in a normal year, why can't we do it later in the spring when it is just spring sports and non-traditional sports like football? And at that time, football would not be playing games and going on the road. I think this season showed everyone the value of playing with pads, and it also showed that from a support staff situation, that we can find a way to do it. Football's ability to have a non-traditional season, like every other sport gets to have, has been discriminated against and not allowed for years. I'm hopeful that the lessons of this COVID 2021 winter-spring season will spur on the change and allow our student-athletes the same opportunity as all other sports, and that's to compete in a manner consistent with how it's played in competition. I really look forward to this discussion on a national level moving forward and to hear other coaches' thoughts. Yeah, and I mean, there are bigger discussions going on right now about the state of football and football injuries. Uh, and I think that, you know, these are things that coaches are going to look at. You know, the, the medical people are going to probably make a recommendation about football in general. And I think that this is something that is being talked about across all of college football, including at the levels in the NCAA where spring ball is already, you know, the standard practice. Uh, but, you know, uh, schools can continue to make other investments in player safety as well. You know, if a if a helmet company says that your helmet should be good for eight to ten years, um, that's a little surprising to me. I I would expect that uh, I would if it were me, if I were the procurement person, because I'm not likely to be the football coach. So if I'm the procurement person or the ops person, I'm like trying to rotate rotate these things out after three or four years rather than eight to 10. There's plenty of places to uh, show your commitment to player safety, to do things differently. You know, the NCAA doesn't even really define in the, uh, in the rule book, what can, what constitutes a contact practice. I think there's lots of things that have to be kind of really formalized and, you know, like you and I, we were not football players, right? You and I are more the type of people who would be in the formalization process, right? We're the type of people who are going to be the ones who, in our jobs, are called on to create these processes, make sure they're followed, figure out what best practices are. I feel like I'm having yet another corporate Zoom meeting, but uh, I think that there's, I, I think that there's a lot of possibility here to really improve how football is done and then apply that also in the spring and in the fall. 
and this podcast, of course, and pretty much everything that we have done at D3Sports.com over the course of the past three and a half months is done thanks to our Patreon subscribers and our other donors. And we especially appreciate uh, all of you who have joined up on Patreon, who have joined up and, uh, you know, helped us continue to bring this coverage. This is where I slip into the public radio spiel. Like, I don't have a tote bag to give you, but, you know, uh, the 198 people who are basically gotten us to about 80% of our goal in terms of monthly donors are helping us have a regular stream of income that helps us. It helps us hire Greg to write Around the Nation columns. We didn't have an Around the Nation column for 15 months until this sort of funding became available. So definitely thank you to everybody from the $3 level to the $50 level. Those are significantly wide margins. We appreciate those of you who give what you can, and we also appreciate those who go to d3football.com, click on the We Need Your Help banner, and figure out a way to help us either in that monthly manner or in the one-time gift manner they're both very helpful they are and we can't thank our patreon subscribers enough like pat said they're helping keep the site running you know, helping us keep content moving not just on the football side but also the really great work that dave McHugh, ryan scott and gordon mann are doing on the hoop side they did a fantastic job this uh this hoop season which was wild to try and cover you know, D3 Baseball as well gets help from this. So uh, every little bit helps. All of it helps keep the site going, keep this great content going uh, for everybody. So, yes, click click our links, tell your friends. Every little bit helps. So thank you again to everybody who is, uh, is doing that. If you uh, are not able to do so, we definitely uh, appreciate. Please continue to visit the site. If you find an ad, oh, no, don't block our ads. I guess that would be the other thing if you, if you uh you visit the site and can't afford to uh, subscribe just at least don't block the ads because that way we'll get paid some fraction of a penny all right lots of games happened in week six more games happened in week five uh, since we last had a podcast but uh, you know we really want to focus on the final game in the route 13 rivalry uh, and if you don't know what the Route 13 rivalry is, I feel like Keith and I have mentioned it um, in the course of the previous 280 podcasts, probably no more than 50 or 60 times, uh, once every four episodes or so. Sounds just about right. And Greg, man, this game was just rife with storylines. Let's put it that way. It was, you know... It- it's it's the final scheduled game at Drass Field. I think we're moving forward with the assumption that this is going to be the last game at Drass Field. I know Chip Knapp has said that he's you know looking looking for a fifth game to add on at the end. So you know there is that. But if if this was the last game at Drass Field, uh, you know Wesley came out very charged up. They opened that game with a lot of energy. Xavier Drummond had a big touchdown run right off the bat. Um, Wesley was playing. Uh, with a uh, Brandon Walters starting quarterback, starting his first game. Um, they didn't have a kicker or a punter. And, you know, Wesley is not, they're, they're a program that has never, ever made excuses about what they didn't have. And in this game, they didn't either. Um, you know, what, uh, Salisbury weathered that early emotional uh, start for Wesley. They chipped their way back into the game. They led the game going in, uh, most of the second half 
and had uh, they worked their way up to a 10 point lead with uh, with a few minutes left in the game. Wesley stayed with it. They got a touchdown there in the final minute, had an onside kick attempt to get the ball back with no kicker. I, th- I believe it was an offensive lineman that went out there and, and took the took the attempt. And it was not a bad try, really. I've seen worse onside kicks by far from people who from people who practice that stuff. So uh, you know, Salisbury recovered the kick. They won 32 to 30. And, you know, that was that's the the final Route 13 game. And, you know, Wesley competed, gave it everything they had and, you know, left it all out on Drass Field one more time. I don't know why this game was scheduled to be the first of the three. That makes absolutely no sense to me. Um, you know, to go out the way Wesley did, you know, as you said, get the ball back down 10 with, uh, you know, a little over two minutes to go. They drive basically the length of the field in a minute and 47 seconds. As you said, you know, with a guy making his first start, you know, Drew Fry, the uh, fantastic freshman quarterback from last year, uh, not eligible to play this spring. Let's put it that way. Uh, kicker Joe Delgado plays on the lacrosse team and the lacrosse team had a conference game that afternoon. So like you said, they didn't have him. They were driving down the field. They score a touchdown. They get the two point conversion with 25 seconds left. To be honest with you, that is kind of as good as you could expect to get considering all of the things that, yeah, as you said, they don't make excuses for, but you know, never had an opportunity to kick a field goal, never had an opportunity to kick an extra point, had the quarterback doing the punting. And that was significant because uh, there was a low snap and the, and the, and uh, Walters took it on his knee. And, you know, in college, you are down when you have the ball and your knee on the turf. Uh, so basically uh, Salisbury got the ball on the eight yard line and had an easy touchdown out of that. Um, Still, you know, you see and you hear and you talk to and you talked to some of the uh, some of the alumni. And I think we'll talk to more Wesley alumni here before this spring is done about just the intense pride they have in the program, the great memories they have of Mike Drass and of Chip Knapp and some of the other longtime people who were involved in the program. Um, And they are lined up like outside the fence at the stadium in Dover on Saturday, just kind of taking it all in. It's um, I feel bad for saying it's a great story because it shouldn't have to happen. Right. And if you don't know the Wesley backstory, go back and read what uh, Greg wrote. It's still on the front page of D three football.com and will be for, I think the course of the next week or two. Um, But yeah, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't have to happen. It is crazy to me still that we are going to take a top 10 football team of the past 20 years and we're going to take them off the board altogether. Yeah. And so Chip Knapp said something uh, to me when I talked to him for the, for the around the nation column, he said, wherever, wherever you find a good football program, there's a stable institution behind it. And I mean, I didn't, I didn't do the research. I didn't do the wins and losses versus school endowment numbers. Um, but it, on its face, it, that seems really, really accurate. And, I, you know, schools that are hurting financially in the way that Wesley has, you know, they're at, those schools tend to have athletics programs that get their budgets cut and dwindled and programs cut. And things like that before a school finally um, 
comes to an end. And, you know, those are all things that, you know, Wesley's financial situation is well-documented, but for Wesley to not just be good, but legitimately great by division three standards for so long, despite the balance sheet situation at the institution is, is really something that puts a completely different perspective on what they, on what they were able to accomplish there. Um, Because I mean, they did more than twice as much with half as much as anybody, as anybody else has. And it just, like you said, it doesn't make sense that this program is, is one that goes away. Obviously, we're at a time in higher education where a lot of these things are happening, right? I mean, we lost McMurray uh, in Jacksonville, Illinois at the uh, very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, they ended up closing at the end of the spring semester in 2020. Um, a number of schools in Division Three that don't have football have closed or announced closing in the past five years or so. Um, Becker College outside of Worcester, Mass, uh, announced recently that and it made an announcement that for all intents and purposes makes it sound like they also will be closing uh, and that there won't be a fall 2021 semester. There won't be a Becker program or a Becker athletic department anymore either. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of the other schools that are still here are ones that have made cuts, like you said, or have retooled their majors or have done other things to try to stay alive. Um, it's just, you know, we've, we've, hashed and rehashed Wesley quite a bit and we will again, but obviously very disappointing. I will make one more, one more observation about the game on Saturday. Salisbury is a very, very good team. They're the defending New Jersey athletic conference champion. They won two games in the, in the last tournament. 2019 was so long ago. Let's go with two. Last season was, I don't know. It's, it's weird to say, but you know, that's a really, really good team that Wesley was an onside kick away from having a chance to to beat w- without a kicker and with all manner of other things in their normal 2D missing. So um, hats off to Wesley in the way that they uh, did their did their program proud on Saturday. Game ball. Game ball. Game ball. Game balls. Game balls. And it's time for game balls. Uh, and we're going to hand out game balls for week five and six. Uh, like I said, it's it's been that long since we last potted, so to speak. And I'm going to give mine out to Bluffton freshman cornerback Montez Archer Jr. My intent was to give out a game ball for week five and another for week six. But Archer had three interceptions in each of those games. In honor of this achievement, we've asked one celebrity guest for his advice to this young man introducing a man who needs no introduction oh i think i still need an introduction i'm keith mcmillan pat's longtime co-host and also a former defensive back at randolph megan in the 90s and for those of you who've been longtime listeners or for those of you who are pretty new you know that playing defensive back playing anywhere on defense means you have a keen eye for great defensive accomplishments and look Defensive stats are fluky. Anyone who is chasing sacks and interceptions knows this. But when you have a big game, it's it's really quite a bit of fun to be the one who uh, you know is running off the the field, getting the taps on the helmet. I remember when I had a four interception game uh, against Catholic, which was sort of you know a career defining game, and it was my second start, and so I played 18 
18 starts after that. And, you know, you, it's, it's weird to know you may never have a game as big as this one. I remember from the, the middle of, of mine, you know, I had a third interception and I came off the field and I was patting me on the helmet and I looked over at the, uh, at the scoreboard and it was 13 to 10. There was a ton of game left. So it's, you know, I, I imagine it's the same way with sacks for, for defensive players. You can have a huge game and, uh, and, you, and your team still needs more from you. And I imagine, you know, for Bluffton, uh, the, the team will need more from you, Montez, but it's so much more fun. Anybody who, who knows defensive back play knows that the great defensive backs are so good that nobody ever gets open. Therefore, the quarterbacks never throw near them. And it's much more fun to be the one who, who is pretty good, lets people get a little open, uh, but just enough that, uh, that you can be a ball hawk and have uh, a couple of interceptions. So, look, enjoy this, these six interceptions over two weeks. Uh, I did six over three weeks myself and then didn't have another pick for the rest of the year. So, uh, so you know, they may come in bunches. Those stats may be fluky. But uh, either way, you know, enjoy the moment. And uh, let's see if you can do three next week. The details, Archer returned a fumble for a touchdown in week five, had a punt return for a score in week six. Basically, this guy is crushing it for Aaron Krebs' team, which has 98 kids suiting up for a spring ball, 10 of them freshmen and 17 sophomores on his two deep. This is a program that is definitely making the most of their developmental time so far. I'm going to go to the USA South to deliver my game ball to Brevard freshman quarterback Eli Carr. Carr was just 12 of 20 passing on the day, but four of those 12 went for touchdowns and accounted for all of Brevard's scoring in an impressive 27 to three victory over Huntington. Uh, this is a pretty big win for a program on the rise and quite a way to open up a brand new on-campus stadium there at Brevard. That's another guy who had a great week five. I guess this really is uh, one game ball for both of them. He came off the bench in week five. Somebody else got the start, but Carr came out and uh, went 24 for 32 for 212 yards and a touchdown as they came back and won that game against Averett back in uh, March 6th. That's March 6th. I thought we'd add another category for these spring pods, and that's to highlight a team that has really helped itself this spring. It's our big winner. And my big winner of the spring so far is Barry. Whoa! But you know what I like to do. Instead of hearing me tell you why, let's let Barry coach Tony Koncheski do that. Winning those three games kind of in the, in the fashion that you described is the kind of thing that can really put a lot of momentum into an offseason. I know it's a short offseason, but yeah. big deal. Well, especially for us because particularly on offense, we're really young. I mean, we started three freshmen up front tonight. Sophomore quarterback, with a freshman receiver, you know, freshman tailbacks. So uh, that's that's certainly we would never be able to get this from just having a spring practice. Yeah, um, you know, it's you can't replicate when you're actually in the battles. And you know, a lot of people asked um, through the last six weeks or so, is like, well, is this different than a regular season? Like to us, this is this is no different than playing in the fall. I mean, from the intensity level, from the preparation, from the competitiveness, all that stuff, and uh, hopefully this will propel us into the future. All right, Greg, one of the great things about the spring is like we have watched all of these games pretty closely. We've watched all these endings. Touchdown with 11 seconds left to win at Birmingham Southern. Uh, Gavin Gray finds Trace Wells in the corner of the end zone, and then Gray throws a two-point conversion as they beat center in overtime on the road. Uh, then they hold on against Hendricks uh, when that uh, extra point hits the left upright. All of those our road games, and it's a hell of a way for the Vikings to go 4-0 this spring. It really is, and uh, Coach Koncheski said it best. Like He's playing a lot of young guys, and this is really, really valuable experience that 
those guys aren't going to get just with spring practice. Like this spring season has meant a lot to uh, Barry, which is a team that had a lot of uh, upperclassmen that they're replacing uh, from, from 2019. Uh, my big winner so far is John Carroll. I'm going to go up to Ohio here. Uh, the OAC kicked off their spring season last Friday night and the blue streaks retained the Cuyahoga river bowl trophy with a 28 to 17 win over Baldwin Wallace. John Carroll led wire to wire in this one. In the fourth quarter, Baldwin Wallace got back to within four points. They had possession, and John Carroll's uh, Kyle Olshafer forced a fumble on quarterback Keegan Armitage. That loose ball was recovered by Ross Valenti of John Carroll. Uh, John Carroll then chewed up the next four minutes and 44 seconds of the fourth quarter before scoring the final and decisive points of the game. That is a very nice win for John Carroll. They get a trophy and that's a little bit of momentum going into this Friday night's game against one Mount union, one Mount union indeed. So these two schools, like uh, these programs, they're not the only winners, right? Anybody who's been able to get on the field so far this spring is going to benefit from having access to football in the spring and try and coach Troy abs said it best back on pod two seventy eight. in the COVID era. When it comes to small college football, playing is winning. So when I was down in Little Rock last weekend, I got to spend a lot more time on the sidelines than usual. So often this job is like a desk job. I'm making sure links work. I'm making sure scores are updated. Uh, but in the spring, you know, we're dealing with 15 or 20 games in a day instead of 106. So I can go walk away for a while. And I definitely got to go, you know, like I said, walk the sidelines and remember why I love Division Three so much. Watching how the student athletes interact and react and compete and trash talk and, and, you know, and, and, and support each other. Uh, plus I got to have a, a couple of conversations and we'll start with Trinity coach, Jeremy Urban. Tell me a little bit about what you guys accomplished here in the spring. What do you come away feeling good about in terms of Trinity football? First off, I'm just really proud of our guys, our administration, um, our athletic trainer, Mark Powell, who really was kind of the backbone for our athletics department to, to even get to this point, right? And everybody's had to battle the COVID experience and it's been a very long year for all of us. Um, from the fall, we had some great opportunities to train as a team, and then come into the spring to, to give them the release to go out and play the game. It's awesome. We've, we've developed some young players. Um, we've been able to see some older guys continue to grow. It's been fun to watch that. Uh, here today in the win against Birmingham Southern, huge second half for you guys. It looked, uh, looked, I don't know, I don't know what to say. Between last week and this week, the first half of this week, right? Offense a little bit lackluster, but then you guys broke open some big plays here the, uh, down the stretch. Yeah, you know, everyone has their story, right? Um, you know, we've, we've juggled a lot of guys at different spots for various reasons the last couple of weeks. Um, we finally kind of got into a rhythm here after a few quarters of figuring out who's playing where. And, and we had guys making plays, and the quarterbacks played well the second half. And, and again, I'm really proud for us handling the adversity that we've had and finishing the season strong. I mean, is that tough? I can assume that you guys, you probably have guys who you would normally have who weren't available or weren't available for a game here or there or something like that. You were probably juggling that lineup more often than you would have liked to. Yeah, and, and again, sometimes with the nature of it, with the timing of testing and stuff, you know, you, you, you stay pretty basic because you want to make sure that you, you know whoever's playing has had a chance to, to practice. And, and everybody, again, everyone's had to live through it this year. So um, the adversity that we face is no different than Coach White on the other sideline, probably most other coaches across the country. But, but yes, the juggling of the roster has made things a little more unique at times. So I know we come back and do this all again in uh, what five five and a half months, something like that. 
what is uh, what is this off season going to be like for you? What's it going to be like for the guys? You know, you have guys who got to get healthy in shorter order than they would normally. That sort of thing. Well, obviously, we don't have padded spring ball. Um, so, so coming off of a season like this and the wear and tear, we, we have been accounting for it. But we started that way back in September. Um, we run on a 365 calendar. It's kind of rolling. So um, Bert Stewart, our football strength and performance coach, um, again, Mark Powell, our trainer, myself, we've been, we've been planning for next August through this. So I really like our plan moving forward in terms of getting guys fresh again and getting ready for a good summer training. It might not have been super apparent from their broadcasts this spring. They're really quality broadcasts, though. Great camera work, great production in, you know, from that standpoint. Trinity, though, they're playing in this new stadium that it seems like they have been talking about for forever. Like uh, 1995, I was down there, and they had a very 1995 like Division Three stadium. And like the last time I saw Trinity play, Jeremy Urban was still in uniform. It's like the 2002 quarterfinals against Bridgewater. So it's good to see them again. And yeah, they so they struggled on offense against Hendricks, and then they struggled the first half on offense against Birmingham Southern. But this is a strong third place finish in the league for the Tigers. It is, and I think it's worth mentioning here how much fun the SAA has been to watch this spring. Uh, the SAA is a league that has built some really good depth of quality in the top half of the conference. Uh, Barry has kind of nosed out as maybe the favorite in this league, but they won three of their four games this year by just five total points, as you outlined earlier. Um, and they didn't have to play Trinity, so they they missed you know sort of one of those top four or five that I'm talking about. You know, looking ahead to next fall, I expect that the SAA will be one of the more exciting races in the country to follow with any one of those four or five teams capable of uh, winning the conference and getting into the tournament. Entertaining, too, on Sunday, maybe the way that that game between Setter and Austin College ended. You know, the, the two teams kind of going at it, drawing each, drawing each other, and then, you know, unsportsmanlike conducting against each other over the course of the final couple minutes uh, was it was pretty it was pretty intense i was down there for that too multiple flags on the play yeah i mean you throw a fade to the end zone with 10 seconds left and feathers might get a little bit ruffled i have never seen a coach run across the field and this is like at the during the altercation not a brawl Right. A brawl requires fists to be thrown. Right. A kerfuffle. Kerfuffle is great. Kerfuffle is a perfect word for that. But Andy Fry comes running all the way across the field to come tell Lauren Dawson, hey, just so you know, I did not call that fade. And the the guys audibled and ran it. Um, and then so at the end of the game, I obviously I was not out on the between the lines for that. Um, then at the end. Teams do not shake hands, which is good. I would not have wanted to see them come back, you know, together in any way, shape, or form at that point. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, Fry kind of uh, tracks down Dawson as uh, Dawson is leaving the field after his team does. And they have this whole longer conversation, uh, some of which I detailed on Twitter. But basically, you know, the takeaway is like Fry said, you know, I've never been so humiliated in my life. Um, and that is like the final act of or against, I guess, Austin College on their way out of the SAA as they go play football in the American Southwest Conference. Anybody who thinks that these games this spring are not being taken seriously needs to actually go watch one of them. It is just as much a hardcore battle event as it is any fall 
any November, any December. It's just as true in March. Yeah. And I, I, I think that we're seeing the value here of the conferences that have laid out a conference championship framework. Like these kids are competing for a trophy. They're competing for a conference championship. And, you know, that's all that that's plenty of motivation for these guys. And, you know, we saw it throughout the, the SAA season, which is now concluded. We're seeing it in the ASC quite a bit. And we're, you know, as other conferences are picking up, we're seeing, you know, we're going to see the same thing there too. Um, like they're, they're playing for trophies, maybe not, maybe not a tournament this year, maybe not a postseason, but they're playing for a conference championship. And, and that that's a big deal to those kids. So also when I was down on the field before the Hendricks Berry game, I ran into someone else who was definitely worth talking to. We've been down here at the SAA football championship weekend down in Little Rock, Arkansas. A lot of teams celebrating their seniors here in this final weekend. One senior who cannot be forgotten out of the uh, Barry class is graduating this, uh, this year is Justice Edwards. And if you don't remember the name of Justice Edwards, um, well, it's a little bit difficult for uh, me to describe in very short terms, but basically suffered a, a catastrophic injury in a game up at Barry, which is now was in 2017, was is that right? 2018. Oh, it's a spinal injury, yes sir. Yeah, so you have been working your way back to, you know, learning to walk, strengthening your core. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that process and where you are right now. Yeah, things have been going well. It's been a work every day. Uh, Monday through Saturday we've been working. I go to um, therapy twice a week and then I drive home to get on a treadmill. We've been in the pool, um, doing pool therapy, walking in the pool, actually taking steps. Um, I've been on a treadmill, also getting my core stronger and working out on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. Tuesday and Thursdays, I'll go to the actual therapy place and train and do my walking and gait patterns. And when, um, when the guys are at practice, I'll walk around the track. Uh, a new um, first down I've got, I've been able to walk around the whole 400 track. Um, so things have been going well. I've been strengthening my quads and learning how to stand and just been getting stronger every day um, mentally, physically and trying to stay stable emotionally while, while trying to be there for my teams and be a motivation for my teammates. Yeah, we're sitting here on the sidelines before the game. Uh, you know, this is like, you know, these guys, the seniors here, are the guys who you came in with. This is your senior class. Yes, sir. This is my, a very special senior class. These are my brothers. <laughs> they are. Uh, what's, it, you know, what's it been like watching how this program has continued to grow, continued to progress, gotten into the playoffs, gotten past the first round in the playoffs, et cetera? It's been amazing. It's just what Coach K teaches us. Uh, TDS, that's the new things that we have. Um, one of those things are discipline. This place is very disciplined. We stick and we, we do what we say we're going to do, but we're more than a team. It, like um, today, one of my brothers in, in chapel, he said that we all roll. Like no man is more important than the other. That's one of the big things that have helped us be so successful because like we pick each other up. We continue to get better every single day. And just to see the progress of, of my brothers, like growing from boys to men, has been very special. Uh, just as much as I've been there for them, they've been there for me, and they just want to—they really want to grow and be better men on, on and off the field. And that's what the thing is so attractive about Barry, just not just football, but just Barry itself. But this program has been a, has a very special place in my heart. Will always have a very special place in my heart, and I just want to see these boys go out and win today. Now you have been working hard to, you know. 
I can't even describe all of the things that you were describing about uh, you know strengthening your core, just learning to walk, you yeah, know, going through back, all of that, right, all of that physical therapy. And now you are already talking about what you're doing next and trying to give back. So tell yes, us a little sir. bit about that. So the next, the next stages, um, while going through this um, therapy thing, I realized that I was very blessed to be able to do the things that I'm doing, but. I've also realized that there's a lot of other people out there that need help, just just as I've been helped, um, and to be there for them, just as just as people have been there for me, just as this community has been there for me. So, what I've decided to do um, is start a foundation called the Just Us Foundation. Um, when I was six years old, God told me that I would help people. And I went all my life trying to figure out how would I help people. Going through this situation has allowed me to help millions of people um, all across the world by just me being myself, not even trying to do it, just me trying to get back to a normal life. And so this this is um, the Just Us Foundation is basically for spinal cord injury patients or any any patients that have basically have an injury happen to them where it affect their movements. Um, this past Christmas, we was able to give back to seven families. Uh, we sent them a card, we sent them a gift card to get them something for Christmas, and sent them a Just Work t-shirt from the Just um, Work Apparel store. And we, I sent them a nice letter um, just to stay in contact and for the next steps of like just recovery and just to help them in their recovery and just to be there for them and just to support them just as I have received support. Also, going forward after I graduate, I plan to um, start a chapter for the state of Alabama with the United Spinal Association. With um, this is a very special place, also, and this will um, open up more opportunities for people in Alabama, for people who have recently got injured, who would who would leave the hospital and be able to take the next steps, and also um, create peer groups and also get them the things that they need to put their bodies in better positions. And so, basically. Um, it's been a very special journey um, and going along this journey I've been able to do exactly what God said I would do at six years old and that's to help people not only just helping me get back on my feet but I also want other people to get back on their feet and to feel that joy of walking again and always do the things that they dreamed and wished but actually live that out but but more mentally and spiritually not just a physical aspect because that can be a burnout but just fueling them in every aspect of life i'm sure people can find your foundation by doing a search for it but tell us like the web addresses and stuff yeah so um it's the just us foundation um and if you want to buy a t-shirt we have t-shirts at the just work apparel store that's j-u-s-w-o-r-k apparelstore.com and we have t-shirts and all the funds go to to the Just Us Foundation um, to help people. Like I said, we were able to help seven families and give back to them. And that's been a very special um, thing to do for Christmas and we would like to continue to do that throughout the year. So that's what it's been like. And um, I thank y'all for continuing all the prayers, all the special support. Like when I feel like not doing therapy or wanting to give up, I just think of everybody that, that's, that's wanting me to win. And I just continue to push through. So I just thank you for the continued support, the prayers and just the support. You talked about the foundation and you talked about you know, starting something in Alabama, but you're also talking about what's next for you after you graduate and pick up your bachelor's degree. Yeah, Yeah. so after my bachelor's career, I plan to um, go to um, medical school to become a doctor of physical therapy. Um, so I plan on attending UAB. 
I may have to take some more classes uh, just to get my GPA up because some things were hard to balance with balancing sure. your health and school. Yeah. But it's nothing that I can't do through Christ. So I'm going to continue to do it and I have to do this because this is going to open up so many opportunities for other people to get help. And so that's basically what it's going to be like and I'm just going to continue to help people uh, everywhere I go. Meanwhile, this whole conversation, I mean, you've been watching your guys warm up and getting ready for this uh, SAA championship game. You have had this huge smile on your face the whole time. I, I'm sure people can probably hear it, but I just wanted to say it out loud. Yes, sir. It's been a huge smile because these boys give me joy. These are my brothers. And just to see them in that element, it's just so exciting. I still get goosebumps just coming out here. I came out here early and I just looked at the field. And I was like, man, thank you, God because we're really blessed to be able to do what we do. Some things that we take for granted, we are really blessed to just be able to still have breath in our body, to have life. And so it gives me so much joy just to see them in that element. And you know, with COVID, it was kind of unpromised and we didn't know if we was gonna have a season. Just to see them have a season and just to see them get back to this point of, of trying to earn another SAA championship, man, it, it just brings joy to my heart. And, I just want everybody to continue to go out there and do work. Just like Proverbs 14, 23 says, all hard work leads to profit, but mere talks leads to poverty. That's the scripture that we stand on. And so we all row. So you can find more info and a link on Justice's Instagram, uh, which is uh, justice underscore E1. I should mention J-U-S-T-U-S underscore E1. You can find a little more information about uh, the foundation and the fundraising that he's doing. You also find a photo of him from after the game holding that SAA trophy and five fingers, five for the five conference titles won by Barry in the SAA. But this is just it's a, just an amazing story uh, of a man giving back, even though he's had so much taken away from him in the course of the past couple of years. Yeah, you know, uh, we talked to Tony Koncheski earlier in this pod and also at halftime of the 2019 Stag Bowl. And we talked to him then a little bit about Justice Edwards. Um, and earlier that season, Justice had a really uh, powerful moment where he went back to, I think it was center where uh, where he was hurt and and walked on walked on the field, you know, a year later. And uh, we talked to Coach Koncheski there about Justice Justice's impact on on the team after after that injury and you know he told us that he's a hugely important influence on Barry's team and it's easy to see why from that interview you can't help but be inspired by this young man's positivity and enthusiasm uh it it's great that he was able to be with his fellow seniors in Little Rock for this conference championship game and from the sounds of it it looks like Justice is just beginning to give back in all of the ways that he that he uh, foresees. Yeah, so he is on the sidelines the whole game, um, and you know everybody he is you know everybody is talking to him. He's going up and talking to everybody. Uh, Elohim Hall comes back after his second interception of the game, uh, comes running uh, off the field, and then after his second interception of the game, you know Justice kind of pulls him aside, holds up his phone, and starts you know recording his reaction basically to put it on, I, I would assume maybe on his Instagram story. I did not follow him within the 24 hours necessary to know for sure. And he's, it's just, uh, you know, I say that just to underscore what you were talking about with uh, Coach Koncheski. He is very much a part of this group. As we said, you know, this is his senior class. Uh, I think a lot of whom may not come back in the fall um, because they're going off to 
jobs and that sort of thing. Uh, maybe a last hurrah for a lot of those guys, but uh, th- those are Edwards' guys, guys who came in with him, and you know he's a big part of that group. Since this podcast is serving d- dual purposes, it's not just a wrap-up podcast. It's also one where we are going to look ahead to what's coming up in Week Seven. So we're going to do games to watch. Uh, each of us will pick a game to watch. But uh, before we get to that, I mean, there is the game to watch. You've already mentioned it, uh, you know, Greg, the Mount Union John Carroll game. I was very interested to see, obviously, what Mount Union was going to look like. And, um, you know, if you only turned it, tuned in for the first possession, maybe you didn't feel as uh, maybe you felt there was uh, something to be concerned about. But. I mean, the rest of the way, Braxton plunked 20 of 26 passing last week against Muskingum for six touchdowns. Josh Petroselli, he averaged just short of 10 yards a carry. Uh, Wayne Ruby, two touchdown catches, uh, one of them 60 yards. Uh, it feels like on that side of the ball, they're doing just fine right now. No need to overreact. We're in our very first game post Karis. I think we can give Mount Union half of a quarter to get warmed up. <laughs> Okay, um, half a quarter, half a quarter, that's it. And I'll be honest, I was watching the live stats on this one and I saw it was ticking down to like seven or eight minutes left in the first quarter and the score was still zero to zero. And I I raised an eyebrow, I'm not going to lie. But, you know, the Mount Union methodically pulled away and did what you expect a Mount Union team to do at Muskingum. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit, a little bit different for them this week against John Carroll. That's that's a little more their speed and we'll we'll get a, we'll get a, a better measure of where Mount Union is at in the, um, you know, this spring season post, uh, post Karis here. Right. And if you're just tuning in to, to Division Three football for the first time, Mount Union has won 13 national championships, lost in the second round of the last time we had a playoff back in 2019. And since then, you know, uh, Vince Karras left to become an assistant coach at the Division One FBS level. Larry Karras, the longtime former coach and sig- also significantly longtime athletic director, retired. Uh, and Jeff Dart, who was an assistant coach previously, has become the head coach. That is the backstory on Mount Union. I don't know that I have ever felt the need to have to give the backstory on Mount Union. But, you know, again, the team hasn't played in a year and a half, uh, not quite a year and a half, but a pretty long time. And it feel, feels like maybe it was just necessary to say that once. Who were these Mount Union guys? I hear they're pretty good. I think they used to be on ESPN. They're a team to watch. So I'm putting them on my watch list in the next in the next call. Oh, I like that. Good, good thought. So my other game to watch for this week is Greenville at DePauw. Uh, I just say that because this is a rare non-conference game this spring. We've, uh, you know, coaches and uh, conferences are focused on conference play for lots of reasons. Uh, ease of scheduling, uh, you know, also in a conference you can um, you can make sure that everybody's following the same protocols and that sort of thing. And you don't have to agree on how you're going to handle COVID testing for a particular football game because it's the same way you do for all the other sports in the conference. Um, so yeah, rare out of conference game, but this is a big challenge for Greenville, which is playing a seven game schedule this spring. Uh, Greenville has another non-conference game later against Lake Forest. Um, I just like it too, because these are two teams who in a non-pandemic year likely wouldn't play this. I'm just really interested to see this particular game. And I should also preface, I should have prefaced this whole thing by saying, as of the time we're recording this, this game is still on. 
there's always a chance that something we talk about might not actually happen because that's the way it's going this year. It's true. One other oddity, just anecdotal oddity about Greenville and DePauw. Teams in the western, uh, western, in, western Indiana, it's, it's exceedingly rare that they go and find non-conference games with teams that live to the west of them. They almost always go and play teams either east, e- further east in Indiana or into Ohio. And so it's always fun when I see teams from Indiana go play teams in Illinois or Wisconsin or wherever. It just doesn't happen very often, which is weird. It should happen more often. It should happen more often. I'm looking right at the camera when I'm saying that. How about your game to watch? My game to watch this week is going to be Methodist at North Carolina Wesleyan down in the USA South. Uh, Methodist pulled off uh, what I'm going to call a mild upset over Averett this past weekend. They sit at 2-0 and on the season. If they get one more win this week over the battling bishops, uh, I believe, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, that's going to put Methodist into the USA South title game as champions of the USA South East division. The, the USA Southeast division, right? <laughs> the East division of the USA South. Your categories have become tiresome. Now's the time on Sprockets where we dance. Now is the time of the podcast where we dive into Twitter. We know, like, it's March. You're watching that other sport. We get it. Uh, but you still have questions, and so we throw out that reminder on Twitter to hit us up when it's time for Greg and me to step into the studio. And this particular question comes from at Cluck Dynasty, K-L-U-K, Dynasty, standard spelling, Ryan Allen Cluck asking, are we getting a top 25 ranking anytime soon? Now, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you know this answer. Um, I will say this. First off, you're not going to get a top 25 at all until the fall. There's just not enough teams right now to merit ranking 25 of them. But in fact, we decided, what did we decide? I'll let Greg say. Uh, There will not be a poll this spring for Division Three football. Yeah, it's just, um, it's really difficult. So like we did do a top 15 poll for basketball and that was slightly easier than what we're talking about what it would look like for football because at least basketball most everybody was playing at the same time whereas the division three football season this spring you know like greg mentioned the saa is done right they are in the clubhouse meanwhile cciw starts this week the president's athletic conference starts the you know um They're going to be MIAA games. The ARC starts, you know, St. Thomas is going to play a game in April against Augsburg for as far as it seems, Um, you know, it is going to, it would be exceedingly difficult to do this. Like people who vote on the D3 baseball poll understand how to do this because schools in Texas and in Southern California and the South Atlantic start at the end of February, if not earlier. And the NESCAC in baseball doesn't seem to have wouldn't be able to play outdoor games reliably until April. And that's kind of what this football schedule is like and not having non-conference games and not having some of our key teams on the field. um, You know, it would be uh, it would be weird to have a poll that doesn't have an opportunity to consider whitewater or an opportunity to consider St. John's, which sounds like it doesn't have an appetite for playing football this spring. It just doesn't, it didn't make as much sense in football as it did for 
basketball just because you are playing five games basically spread out over 14 weeks and that is really difficult to try to you know draw that comparison with like you said virtually no non-conference games i don't know how you would go back after the fact and compare what barry did in february and march with what a team like uh wartburg does uh, when they get playing in, you know, they may play into, are they going all the way into May possibly? Some, some conferences are, I don't know if the ARC is. And then, you know, you and I, Greg, have talked about what Whitworth's spring season was like, uh, you know, where they proved without a doubt that they were much better than Puget Sound or Pacific Lutheran, that they played each of them twice and they don't play anybody else at all. Yes. No debate. Whitworth um, champions of the, NWC Washington division this year. But again, what I don't know how you I don't know how you compare that to teams in other parts of the country who play four or five other teams. Um it, it, yeah, it's like I said, the being able to draw comparisons is even more subjective than polling usually is and um, it'd be difficult to put together a poll that I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so we will be back with a top 25 poll in, you know, I guess the end of July, beginning of August, as we try to read the tea leaves, figure out who's back of all the senior classes that will be returning uh, and that sort of thing. So we'll be uh, keeping an eye on that. And then, of course, we'll have regular 25, uh, regular top 25 polls in the regular season starting with what seems like is going to be a full and as normal as possible 2021 fall football season and this was around the nation podcast number 281 released on march 18th of 2021 thanks for listening and keep an eye out for our continuing coverage of this spring football season you can support production of this podcast and support the d3sports.com family of websites in general by visiting our website and clicking on that big we need your help story on the homepage or by visiting patreon.com slash d3sports. But even if you can't support us financially, you can help us out by telling a friend, tell a classmate, a fellow alumnus. You're, you may be a parent of a Division three football player. I bet that not every parent at your son's institution knows about d3football.com or the podcast so that's another way that you can help us even if you can't support financially of course you can always rate and review us in the various places where people rate and review podcasts i think you guys have probably heard people talk about that you can reach us to talk more about division three football on twitter using the d3fb hashtag i'm at d3football on twitter and greg is at wally wabash keith is at d3keith we have a message board devoted to Division Three sports, did you know? Join the conversation by registering to post at d3boards.com. Also, you can follow d3football.com on Facebook. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Our theme music and a lot of the other music used in this podcast is by DJ Mentos. You can find him at djmentos.com as well as on Spotify. If you're listening to us on Spotify, listen to DJ Mentos also on Spotify. Thanks to our guests, Buck Buchanan, Jeremy Urban, Justice Edwards, Jim Catanzaro, 
Rod Sandberg, as well as Southern Athletic Association Commissioner Jay Gardner and everybody from the Hendricks Athletic Department who put on that great event in Little Rock last week. Thanks to Greg Thomas, my co-host, and thanks to the originator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com, Keith McMillan. We will be here to cover all this spring football, so keep an eye on D3Football.com. And also, you know, we know that 2021 schedules, this is the time where we would be collecting those and putting them on the website. So we'll be doing that as well. And you can find a new podcast in this feed on a regular basis between now and, you know, the time when we stop making podcasts. I don't know when that is. Uh, We have no exit strategy. Hey, oh. Are we, are we ending with an Ed McMahon clip now? <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much, everybody.